0: Recording in progress. Okay. Yes. Gana, welcome to Rise and Shine.
1: Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's the time of the year where everybody's a little more generous and generally happier. So I'm enjoying this wave.
0: Yeah, I was just uh, doing last minute Christmas shopping today, as I was telling you before the show, and the mall was really not that busy for five days before Christmas, we're wondering maybe it's because people are just ordering online, people are scared of the variant. I don't know. Did you do all your Christmas shopping already?
1: I did a lot of holiday shopping. I did a lot of it online, so I did probably 99% online, and I just did emergency shopping in person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same same thing. So again, thanks for joining the show. You're you're building a massively scalable company. We're going to talk about that today, but you also have a, a really cool history that we'll get into. For, for context, right now you're based in Silicon Valley, right?
1: Yes, I am in San Francisco.
0: And that is not where you grew up though. And I think where you, the story of your trajectory through your career really helped to inform the business you're working on today. So maybe you could, just for the audience, take us back to the beginning, where it all started, wherever you think that is, and I will hand it off to you.
1: That's a good question. And my, my personal story is very linked to my company i'm working on so i'm i was raised as an immigrant child of ukrainian immigrant mother in poland Mm. and from very early on i saw that my mom being an immigrant difficulties with communicating and getting ahead because she had very strong thick accent and i i learned to speak polish very fast as, as a child and this is my first language right now but mm, I, I, I got accustomed to, to seeing her struggle with communication and um, actually being an immigrant child I had a very interesting international career in, across seven countries and between two continents oh, wow. I <laughs> yeah that, that that is fun and I think it's still unfolding so I, I would say like I'm curious what comes ahead but mm, I, I worked a lot on consulting and i did advisory uh, and leadership roles of all sorts and i saw that people international teams had issues with communication despite all being able to speak the same language they still had difficulties because of pronunciation variations and because of accents and um, frankly people struggle to understand me despite me putting a little bit extra effort Mm -hmm. in every word i say and speaking slowly and I also have a hard time understanding people from some parts of the world. So, right. so it kind of led me to this idea of starting speech augmentation and improving speech clarity and doing speech recognition to help people communicate clearly and understand each other with ease. So that's, that's my story. And that's, this is where it took me so far.
0: Yeah, this is a fascinating approach to this. And right now... Um... It is operating, is it operating as a plugin to common video conferencing softwares or um, I'm a little bit out of the loop, how how is it operating right now?
1: Yeah, so we are going to be a communication platform and we're building speech uh, recognition and speech augmentation tools 3.0. Those are very different from communication tools, you know, today, Um, so our systems are completely independent uh, of natural language processing and it enables us to do operations on recognition and augmentation in real time and we can also do operations in parallel on voice and on actually speech content itself so we can we can do various various operations and then we can recombine voice and linguistic representation of speech and that this sounds mm. natural it has all the emotional contact of, contact of the speaker, which was never possible before. Our first product that we are putting on the market is a real-time accent augmenting software. Mm-hmm. And exactly based on my experience, people will be able to choose their desired accent and achieve it automatically during calls and teleconferencing.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. And did you also, did you tell, am I correct in, to interpret that you could also choose the accent of the person you are speaking with as well?
1: Yeah, so this works bi-directionally. So you can also hear people in a way that is easiest for you to understand.
0: When you tell people about your business, is there any adverse reaction that you commonly receive? Do people ever say you shouldn't be trying to solve this problem because it's not fair, it's not right, it's not kind, anything like that?
1: Yes, so... so we started solving this problem of accent, and this is based on on a lot of interviews with, with native and non-native speakers alike who work in international capacity, and they we ask people what they do about accent and, and how do they want to solve it, and then people give us a lot of positive feedback. Um, sometimes when I talk to native speakers about our first product, they respond with doubts and they are curious about how it impacts identity and how it mm. impacts personality of the speaker so to say it's funny enough most of the time those concerns are voiced by people who are native speakers and in <laughs> high power positions right i think most the vast majority of people who are non-native speakers or have non-native speaking parents very well understand the problem and its impact on people's life
0: how many languages do you speak, Anna?
1: Oh, not too many. I speak three. Three um, is
0: above the normal standard deviation, I think, of probably. <clears throat> I wonder what, on average, how many languages people speak in the world? Like, do you think it's one, 1.5? 1.
1: Actually, the statistics I, I looked at, so it's probably one and a half. So vast majority of people we have a really big population in china we have big population in india there are also like high number of people living in africa and africa people speak various dialects and various languages i think, and just like out of the top of my mind i think it's probably one and a half to two languages yeah
0: yeah i think so i think i was listening to something earlier in the past on a podcast was saying that there was some vast number of languages like a thousand of them or 3000 of them that that only have a hundred or so people that speak it or less than a thousand speak it. So a very large number of languages have a very few people that speak it. And it's so fascinating that that you can track these languages that are being lost. I, I mean, I guess we're getting on a tangent here, but but the approach for what you're doing with with software to improve communication is really interesting. You mentioned earlier that you did you worked across seven countries and two continents. Can you tell us about that?
1: Sure. So I was a consultant for most of my professional career and it happened that I was sent to do different projects in different countries. So like, I did projects in Russia. I did projects in Ukraine, obviously in Poland. I worked also in Germany and United Kingdom and then here in the U.S. and also a little bit in Canada, collaboration with Canadian partners so i could probably name more countries but those are most prominent
0: what what brought you initially to to where you are right now
1: so a search of adventure
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good reason
1: i i you know i I lived in london before just before i came to silicon valley and um, london wasn't the right place for me okay i was looking at other places i could move
0: because of the yeah. because of the weather or other reasons that you need you prefer not to mention or
1: uh no like i can, i can talk about it so yeah weather is is quite difficult if there are parts of the year where rain is literally horizontal because the rain <laughs> and wind combined and it, it's it gets in your sleeves and and in your shoes etc etc so th- there was a part of it but also london is is at least when i was there it was quite overpuffed mm. it's it's difficult to get around in the rush hours it's it's really hard to get to the tube the tube is the underground they call it tube so it's really hard to get in the tube and and sometimes platform on yours at your stop is like so crowded that it's hard to get out it's especially bank station. that was it was stressful it it was sometimes i had to go like one stop further to get to my stop (laughs) 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 and then you know it wasn't so so full of opportunities for me because again it's so overpopulated so things are quite competitive and you have to elbow your way and I, i'm you know my personal strategy and my business strategy is always more to look for the ocean places where, where it's not very crowded and you can create innovation and you can bring value and just london wasn't this type of place and california silicon valley seemed to be much better in theory and that this was attractive and then in practice it, it turned out to be a good place as well
0: so silicon valley was maybe it it had actually i'm asking as an outsider because i don't really know does it have the crowded feel to it with with so many companies and so many vcs going there or does it not have that that crowded feel it just has a lot of opportunity
1: i think it has a lot of opportunity and like it, it depends which angle you look at you know in some spaces it can be crowded but it I think like people are most receptive to innovation. It's the most receptive to innovation place I've ever been to. So I like it. And people can think about abstract ideas and understand the business value of them. So it's, I think it's really great. Still, I think it's a great place to be.
0: Yeah, I have to visit. I realize we actually didn't even provide the name of, of your company, Gana. What's the name of the company you're building? Oh
1: my goodness, yes, <laughs> I didn't mention it. So my company is called Say So. And it's written as, as you hear, it's, it's, it's two words combined in one, say, so, and you can find us online at sayso.ai. So yes, for all the listeners who want to check it out, please go and see us online.
0: I I just, uh, in prep, I was looking at your, um, just looking at your LinkedIn profile, because we're connected. I saw that uh, you've been working on say, so for just over two years, two and a half years. Mm
1: -hmm. If you
0: had to give an overview of that journey so far from where you started with SaySo to where you are today. And don't worry, we have time. Can you, (laughs) can you, can you walk us through what that's been like from, from your perspective? I think it would be interesting for people to hear.
1: Yeah. So it started with idea. I was, I was working on a video summarizing consulting projects. I was, I delivered for a large company here in Silicon Valley.
0: A video summarizing consulting project?
1: Yes yes and this video was supposed to be displayed to important stakeholders at high level of of the company and i did a video and i showed this to the customer and and the customer really liked the video and they didn't want to change anything but they didn't like my voice being a voiceover i asked them why did they not like it and they told me that it's not so easy to understand and it's not so intelligible and they would prefer somebody who is a native speaker to do voiceover. Mm-hmm. and you know like being a consultant to create customer satisfaction and customer feedback is so important so i, I was like okay this is the feedback i will go and uh, look for software which can actually change my accent to something that is clear and easier to understand and I couldn't find anything like this. I tried to play with equalizer and see if I can change something about my voice to, to make me sound clear and make me sound more like a native speaker. But like nothing like that would ever work. It made me be really curious about accent problem. And up hiring voice voiceover... Uh, actor to do this voiceover for me and it was like so annoying because i had to time a new voiceover to the video So i spent a lot of hours on this i've
0: tried to do that once and i gave up it was really much more complex than i thought
1: it's it's almost like doing it from scratch i mean it's just like a little bit more annoying because you, you spent time doing it <laughs> for the first time yeah but it worked out but I, this accent problem really stuck with me and I, I I went on with this question and I went to ask people how they deal with this. Is it a big problem for them? How does it impact their productivity? And I really asked native and non-native speaker alike. Cause I, I wanted to understand what they need and want. And people told me they wanted that this is a really big problem for them and that it cripples productivity big time. And they also wanted something that would work in real time. So no delays whatsoever and they wanted something that sounded natural so they didn't want to sound like alexa or siri Actually, it's telling me that they don't want to sound like alexa <laughs> so i i yeah, this is fair so i i understood that they want real-time tool and natural sounding tool and this technology didn't exist and i did a lot of research looking at papers and i it's, i knew that uh, Things based on NLP would be like really not practical for free flowing speech, non scripted speech. It always takes a bit of delay and processing time. So it- an
0: NLP NLP for the audience, natural language processing, right?
1: Yes, that's right. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a little bit technical here.
0: No, keep going technical. I'll just throw in acronyms when I can, but uh, you okay. can go on.
1: Yeah. So I knew that traditional approaches in speech. Uh, processing as we know it today they wouldn't work so i knew we'll have to invent a new technology and i was really fascinated about technology which is real time and also preserve people's characteristic and like is is specific to the users it's specific to their voice and their intonation and it's, it's something that doesn't exist and so interesting that voice technologies today are so underdeveloped because speech is the most convenient way to convey complex ideas mm. yet speech technologies are so behind and communicating with each other we don't have any help from technology and communicating with machines and computers we use keyboards and clicks to convey complex ideas which is so unnatural so i, I was fascinated by all of agree this more. Problem. I'm a, if, <laughs> if
0: i could like that at times a thousand i, I couldn't agree more <laughs> Continue, continue, please.
1: Yeah, so I was fascinated by by the problem of accent, and so nothing nothing is done there to to offer technological support. People have to go to like long trainings, and also problem of communication with technology. So it's all about clarity of communication and about understanding with ease. This this is what I'm working on, and this is what I'm what I'm solving now. So that's like, I love this work.
0: You mentioned when you were talking to customers, they said. They said, this would increase our productivity. And then they said, we want it to be, we want something real time and it to sound natural. As you're building this, this product, this software, this technology, how difficult is it to make it real time? And then how difficult is it to make it sound natural? Are those two separate problems? Is one significantly harder? Do you tackle them at the same time? I'll stop asking you questions and, and let you respond.
1: Yeah, so I, I would say everything here is quite difficult because we are in quite uncharted territories. There, there is a lot of research coming in voice uh, and speech augmentation. This research is not real time. So, so if we want to use that, we have to invent ways of applying it in real time environments. And then we're doing so many things real time and... Um, sounding natural. So those are two different problems, and those are applied to different products. So Mm -hmm. in in real-time accent augmenting software, that is our first product, you have to do both. So And we are tackling this from the hardest angle possible as a first product. (laughs) Uh, Along the way, we we, we created a bunch of other technologies that we're going to use towards speech recognition. And also like voice augmentation in real time. And like right now with the technical stack we have today, we can do voice augmentation. Shall we want to do that? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, in real time.
0: Why, why is it that the research that's coming out on speech is not dealing with real-time speech adjustments? It's just because it hasn't been... On people's mind the use case everyone it's everyone has enough time to edit it afterwards so they don't need it to be real time
1: i i think you know technology overall is is progressing very very fast and there are so many new technologies we create as humanity to treat diseases to you know to to create new financial opportunities and to 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 do new things with artificial intelligence and like somehow sound is is and speech is is quite unloved, and I think it's it doesn't get enough attention it deserves. So so all of the state of the art things, majority of them were heavily based on natural language processing, mm. which takes some context and it looks at speeches in sentences and it looks at what speaker intends to say. And those require some linguistic proficiency, so they, they work both best on people who can articulate sentences in a correct grammatical way Hmm. which is not always true for for non-native speakers and then those researchers combined with AI are actually a baseline of of speech technologies as we know them today I think part of this being underdeveloped is business blind spotting and part of it is just that there is so much going on in science and research and like this this is not really like it's haven't been top priority for anybody and it it was really little things done in person-to-person communication the best thing available now is speech transcription and some of it can be fleshed out during the meeting but there is nothing really to augment speech as we speak with one another in a free-flowing situation so i I think it's blind spotting yeah and and the the technical problem is really difficult to solve
0: Are there any areas geographies in the world with a high density of speech researchers?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's very interesting. US is falling behind here. So like very interesting research is in China. Hmm. And it's it's very strong and it, it, it we see research on, like from 2016 and like to the day which is very very interesting coming from China. And then also in Korea, there are centers of excellence and in Japan. And funny enough, in the U.S., the best center of excellence for speech is Stanford, where it's it's very NLP heavy.
0: Interesting. And obviously, you're in the, you're in the U.S., you're in the Valley. Do you have any way of working with some of these top researchers, some of the top talent from China and Japan? Or do you also face an issue of actually being able to speak with them if they don't speak English?
1: Yeah, so I have uh, a PhD scientist on my team who, whose PhD is from University of Tokyo, so it's mm. actually very hand-picked. <laughs> yeah. Person. And in terms of China, unfortunately, no. And part of this is our advisors are worried about IP, you know, created mm. in, in intersection and collaboration. So unfortunately, no.
0: I see. You mentioned earlier something that I wrote down, speech is the most convenient way to convey complex ideas. Couldn't agree more. I I just recently, I think, I think it was recently Slack launched an ability to send voice notes in Slack. So I end up sending a lot of voice notes, but then my colleagues asked me to include a little bit of a resume of what I just said so they don't have to listen to the whole thing to understand what I'm talking about. But I also think emails, like Gmail should have an integration where you can just send voice notes to each other through Gmail so you don't have to type the entire email. Where do you think the future is of speech and you don't have to say with certainty obviously but if you had a blue ocean look at the future of speech for communication and digital communication what do you think might be on the map
1: i think it's somewhat blended and this comes from the history of, of collaboration and if you look back at 20th century and like beginnings of 21st a lot of business communication happens in written form because this this was the best we had and i think people are very used to idea of doing things in writing uh, sometimes it's safe to die, but like still speech is the easiest way to convey ideas and i think as workforce as as humans in the workforce we will have a learning curve on how to ver- verbally express our business communication in a very short and condensed so, it's it's. I think it's coming.
0: As as a founder of of this business over the last two and a half years, what are some of the challenges that you initially faced, and some of the ones that you're facing now? And and I think we'll set the stage by saying, as a founder, you're pretty much constantly facing challenges and and uncertainty twenty four seven. So maybe the spot
1: on yes. Maybe the maybe the
0: question doesn't even make any sense, but. Um, but most companies don't even last two and a half years. And so if you had a, a perspective on how your evo- your own evolution as a founder has changed, we'd love to hear it.
1: You know, at the beginning, when I started all of this journey, I my first impression was that fundraising is the, the most difficult thing founders do. Mm. And I could it's, it's really difficult. Fundraising is difficult, but like, I, I was really wrong about it. Uh, I couldn't be more wrong actually hiring right people and building right team is the most difficult thing that founder can do and and keeping this team highly motivated and really interested in the problem and like working well together I think those are most difficult problems founders face and and getting the talent to join the company when it's very early on and definitely founders want very skilled talent, people who can ramp up and do things independently, it's, it's, yeah, I think this is the most difficult thing. And, and still fundraising is becoming, it's always a challenge and it's always, always takes a lot of effort to raise money for the company.
0: Is there anything that you've recently learned about building a right team? Any rules of thumb that you've created? Anything you've realized on how to build these early hires, these early members that are joining the company that you're saying, okay, I maybe have made a mistake in the past on this, but now moving forward, I'm going to make sure that I try to do XYZ differently.
1: I don't know if I have universal wisdom for this. I can tell you what is my approach for my company in particular. And this is coming from the place where that our company is different than some companies because we are doing deep technological research. I think The rule of the thumb probably that applies unanimously is that it's not advisable or favorable to grab anybody who is available on the job market who remotely fits your job description. This didn't work for me. And it Mm. was very sad. All the people who perform best on my team are very handpicked and very thoughtfully chosen because of combination of their uh, background and expertise in something, because of their area of interest in work and because of their personal drive and personality. So like, I think combination of those three things has to be ideal. And it's and, and, and you have to balance it out with how difficult it is to find those people and, and have them join company when you're still on a low budget. And, and I think it's it's advisable to spend longer time looking for them and even deal with things without them. As long as you need to spend to find them, you should spend because if you hire less than optimal talent at the early stage of your company, it's, it really cripples your ability to deliver your product fast, to you know, like work with high energy and and go in the same direction. So it's very important wow. so, to thoughtfully approach it.
0: <laughs> so you're saying in the early stages when you really need to, or one would think when you really need to develop and grow and build, you're saying it's even more critical that you don't hire someone just for the sake of moving the company forward, because those initial hires are so critical to the success that you'd be better off waiting for the right person and delaying, maybe delaying a product launch until you have the right team to actually build the foundation. Is that what we're saying?
1: This is exactly my experience. This is what I'm saying. You know, my experience with hiring people who are who are a little bit random, like match your job, job description, but not quite 100% right. So like, oftentimes they found themselves in a situation of a lot of stress and unknowns in the company. They don't quite know how to do what they ask to do. And they don't quite know how to come up with ideas and test mm. them. And then it it really cripples productivity for the entire company because we're so dependent on one another's performance at those early stages.
0: How many of your team members are operating remotely right now, Kenna? Everybody. Everybody, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it makes it even harder and and, at least for our startup and during COVID, it makes it even harder because bringing people on board, you have to train them and you have to keep keep them happy and you have to keep them also communicating with each other and uh, with the goal of the company and you also have to coach and mentor people because you need a mix of more senior and more junior people so this is becoming more challenging (laughs) yeah
0: i'm next question i'm asking selfishly for my own research because i'm going to be joining a a distributed uh, company in the near future and i want to have a good list of best practices how do you manage or how does the team manage working remotely any communication tools that are great any strategies for meeting frequencies any anything at all that you might be able to share
1: yeah so i can share a couple of things that worked for us and we're still working out the best practices so it's it's always work in progress it seems like it's never done and it, probably it's the best it stays this way what works for us is having everybody on slack and having multiple channels and having very high clarity of what goes in which channel. And also having people to post in right channels and not to talk one-on-one with each other. So the team, anybody who needs this type of information can go in the channel and track all of the communication that exists. So people can kind of like hear each other through those messages. And we do have daily meetings for the entire team. And we have meeting, for all branches of the teams we have like 15 minute morning meetings where everybody tells the others what they're going to work on this day and what progress they made and what are the blockers of questions they have and then functional teams also have daily meetings to discuss in, in, in greater detail what everybody's working on and, and what is needed and if priorities shift or change then they have opportunity to catch up i have uh bi-weekly meetings with all the leads in, in different roles so with uh, my principal researcher with my co-founder with our technical lead on apps we have five meetings to stay in touch and know what everybody's doing it sounds like a lot of meetings but it's necessary
0: <laughs> At, yeah I, when in an environment where people are not randomly running into each other the those that number of meetings is necessary is there yeah. is there uh-huh. anything oh sorry go ahead continue
1: there are a couple of other things I want to say. Yeah. So I want to say, like, we try to keep those meetings as short as possible. So we, we try to schedule 15, 20 minutes and it's deliberate to not schedule half an hour mm. and, or like 40 minutes. So like every minute is pressure and every minute counts. And we try to have agenda for every meeting. Like it's, it's structured to bring more clarity and a really strong rule in my company at least is not to go over time. So people need time to work heads down. And we're a company across Europe and US. Like We're in two different time zones in US and we have people in Europe. So we have time of the day, we have like three hours a day where everybody overlaps. So everybody can talk to everybody in Slack like in real time, or schedule a meeting. So we also take care of that.
0: This, the focus on timing around meeting structure is really interesting to protect people's ability to actually have time to do the work that they need to do because because of the fact that all of the communication is structured now, we can't have it bleed over into work time.
1: Yes, and like we, we plan for those meetings being a part of the day where the, it's, it's not like hands-on work, but those are needed for information spread, et cetera. And we also, have, we also have twice a month or once a month, most of the time, twice a month depends, we have time for team building and playing games and doing uh, fun activities together. And I think this is also a super valuable time that, that we need to spend together as a team to get to know each other.
0: Yeah. To build, to build that, that trust level, to get to know the people that are behind them, the little yes. icons on the screen that are doing work. Right.
1: Yeah. we well, also don't, well, those are people that, those were never icons to yes, me. At yes. Least. Yes. Like, I always <laughs> see them like they're people with hopes and dreams and like, they have such interesting ambitions and aspirations and like I, I love to meet those people and understand them as human beings
0: mm. and
1: it's i think it's super important for them to, to relate to each other as human beings uh, one, one extra thing i do with time is that other than those three hours that overlap for everybody people have completely flexible time to work so oh. some people on my team part-time and they do master degrees or things like that and some people have children as long as everybody can be present throughout those three hours i trust them and i enable them and empower them to do work through the day when it fits their life schedule because covid derailed so much and i don't know if we're going to stick to this but this system has been working really well for us so far
0: what what are the, the three hours of overlap time if i may ask
1: <laughs> yeah sure so it's 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 based uh somewhat on my availability. So like it's seven a.m. uh Pacific to Pacific.
0: Okay, because I was thinking with European plus six hours or plus nine hours actually from you. Yeah. Um,
1: no, it it's actually works pretty well. So like they finish at six p.m. and everybody's happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I had I had something marked down here from an earlier point that you mentioned. Did was there a part about? because you mentioned you had initially thought that raising funds would be the most difficult thing. Was there a part about it that was unexpectedly easy when you were raising funds for the business?
1: I mean, it's never easy to raise funds and I'm going to go on fundraising trail uh, now in January. So uh, wish me luck.
0: (laughs) Good luck. We'll share this broad and wide
1: yes please everybody who listens wish me luck because uh we, we all need luck and it's somewhat random so I, I really take all the luck i can you know at first i thought that you just have to go and meet a lot of people and you have to to, to pitch to investors and getting those introductions and connections is like the most difficult thing and if you have only if you have enough meetings you will raise funds hmm. and again I, I think i was very wrong about this one because i think what raise, what actually drives fundraise is progress that company makes and like understanding milestones that investor wants to see you meet before they invest and also mm. basically driving a narrative about this company and how big it can be and how impactful it can be so those those are two things that are actually driving fundraise and of course you have to have a lot of meetings but it's, it's you have to keep hustling for quite a while before you get to, to a good traction and revenue you have to hustle a lot but like, honestly i think like focus on the progress and story is like something that is deserves more attention than actually like number of meetings you can have thousands of meetings but not raise if, if your story is not holding together or if you don't have progress
0: mm-hmm. yeah that the meeting meeting to closing funds equation i guess will be a lot better supported if you have a lot of progress in your business
1: yeah so i think like the, the eyes on the prize always with driving business it seems so obvious but maybe it's not so obvious for to all founders that it's your numbers your progress really drives your race and like when you have exciting business people want to be a part of it it's it's basically you doing them a favor letting them join your business rather than asking them and begging them and chasing them mm, the tables <laughs> then, turn the tables yeah.
0: turn yeah yeah. speaking of hustling something you did with, with say so i previously it had a different name but regardless you started with your own funds am i am i right
1: that's right meaning I you spent, saved but, money
0: and you I built the business all my from
1: savings i put all my savings in there and i didn't wow. even get myself extra equity for that because i wanted this equity split and my company to be attractive for everybody who shares equity so i i, I really spent all my savings across like Between 2014 and 2019. So I I, I put all my Five years
0: worth of savings. Wow. Would you... So I'm going to venture to guess that that's an uncommon way that founders start. That's a very brave way. It's probably... Maybe it's even... It could be the best way, possibly, that, that you do it because you have a lot of control of how things are going in the beginning. Would you do it the same way if you were to restart?
1: I mean... I don't think I would do it exactly the same way because I have experience of having already done some things in a startup world. So like I don't know if I would do it exactly in the same way, and I don't know if I would do exactly the same type of startup in deep tech, which is different from uh, other type of startups, and it requires more investment on research in research and development. But I think a really good way of is is trying to get as much traction as you can with like low costs. So the traction can be represented by customer interest, by letters of intent from your customers to be, by building your product and and having traction of people liking it. Even I think I would try to focus on like the lowest um, return on investment possible for for products before I spend all my savings, because spending all my savings was not fun and left me like really in the rain so to speak you can imagine
0: i wanted to <laughs> yeah. if, if if we could i think it would be really valuable for the audience to to just think about this so if i'm putting myself in your shoes i have five years worth of savings did you say to yourself okay these are my expenses monthly i will give myself 12 months of runway so 12 months of, ex- of expenses worth in my savings and then I will have some money to pay people to work here. Or will I convince people to work for free? How did you think about it at the beginning?
1: Well, I, I, I was like so determined about this company. And I've, I'm still very determined about it. So I was like, okay, I have this money. I have This is X amount. It's not going to be more than this. This is what I have. Mm. And it has to last as long as I possibly can. I think it will last me for 16 months to 24 months. If I'm scrappy and I can hire some people, it will shorten my runaway. But let's see what I can accomplish with this amount of money this time. And it was make it or break it. I didn't have it. It so in my mind very clear that we can fail or not make it. And I thought worst came to worst, I would have to go back and find a job and, and start saving again. But... I was always thinking about succeeding. (laughs) I think founders have to be this way.
0: But you had the ability to, if the company did not go the way you wanted it to go, you could actually go get a job because you had other other marketable employment skills. In the beginning, did you need, were you writing code yourself or did you immediately need to find someone who was able to write code in the very early days? Let's say first six months.
1: Yes, I don't have code writing skills. It's funny enough, I have IT education and background and I can understand technology and understand research. I don't code hands-on. So to produce code, to produce results, I needed somebody who could code
0: from day one, yes. And initially, did you, um, can we talk about how you went about finding that person in in the early days?
1: yeah so it's 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 a journey so it's it's it was really uneasy for me to find the perfect person to work with me a perfect co-founder because i didn't quite understand what this technology will be so i knew it had to be in real real time and i knew that it, it's very likely that we, we cannot use anything nlp related in this technology i wanted to do it in real time and i knew that we will use ai so it was not clear if I need to go and find like a very skilled AI person. So this was my first attempt to go and talk to many people who are really good at AI. And then, yeah, it wasn't the right approach because AI has some limitations as we know them today. It requires a lot of data and it's, it's hard to make if you just use AI, it's, it's, it's not quite, also you don't have control over the outcome as much as you have if you do more precise technology. Then I had multiple people I met and I tried to work with, which, which did a combination of NLP and AI and other digital signal processing. And those were also not the right people because they were not skilled enough in, in sound wave processing. Hmm. I ended up incrementally finding a person who had my co-founder, Bryce, who had experience in the intersection of sound editing and music and AI. And this worked out and it worked out partially for the reason that bryce was very very deliverable oriented outcome oriented from the day one and he explained somewhat to me what he wants to do but he said let me just go and do it and show you how uh, it works interesting <laughs> and i love this i, I love this way of thinking and solving the problem and i said sure go and show me how it works and then um, he, he became a consultant to us and then I, I turned him into a co-founder because it was working out so well, and we like each other.
0: And in those early days, were you located in the same city?
1: No, actually, Bryce and I never meet, never met in person. So we co-founded the company. We haven't, please, we're met in person so far. It's crazy because we, we met, yeah, just before COVID. Yeah. Uh, how,
0: wow. Okay. And then I guess in the early days, you just you're you're working based off of trust, right? You trust the other person.
1: I do trust the other person, and I think, and as a general rule of thumb, for me at least, it's better to trust a little bit more than a little bit less. Hmm. And I think people really understand when you trust them, and they appreciate this trust. And you have to find the right people to put your trust in, but I I, I generally like to trust a little bit more than less.
0: Wow, uh, very very powerful, very inspirational. We're, we're coming up on our allotted time, Ganna. So I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. if, uh, questions that are maybe slowly switching gears a little bit as we begin to wrap up. How do you right now, how do you prioritize your day? That could be weekdays or weekends. And mm-hmm. are there any habits or routines that you think are contributing to your success?
1: Yes, I think I have very, very important part of success in prioritization is finding time to rest and Mm. finding time to think and anything I do I try to have one day a week at least when I don't touch anything work related and I just spend time with my family and relax and that's been so important because a startup is such a roller coaster with ups and downs and I think it's critical to have time to not think about work it's intense
0: where do you fit that time where do you, where does that time fall for you evenings mornings weekends
1: you know i i think about time management as energy management so mm. i i work best in the morning so my most productive time is in the morning and i start many days i start at 7am because this is the time when we're all available online and i talk to my team and i solve problems heads on between 7am and noon it's my best like productivity time and mm-hmm. then I, I have lunch sometimes at my computer. And then I, I, I have relationship management and pitch meetings usually past noon. So this it's kind of like a mid time of mid energy. And then in the evening, I always leave one hour for extra things and unpredicted things which were unplanned. So if I have to take emergency meetings, I leave like one hour at the end of the day to, to do that. And like I do everything else in between.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, curious, do you wake up if so, if the day starts at seven, are you up at six or six 30 or five 30 or.
1: Oh, I wish <laughs> I wish <laughs> I have, I have, you know, I have a young child and so my daughter is 16 months old and I had my daughter when I was doing my startup in the midst of it. Well, um,
0: you're an absolute superhero. Okay.
1: <laughs> it's not easy. I think like, actually, like I think like every working mom is a superhero and I, I love my child Definitely. and I really love my work. So I, I wake up many days, many, many days at 4 30 uh, or 5 a.m. It's my normal waking time. And if I get to sleep till six, it's unusually good.
0: Uh, okay. I, what time I can is get ready
1: fast? <laughs> yeah, I can get ready really fast when I wake up. Like my, my brain is stressed. If if I had a night of sleep, my brain is ready to work.
0: Wow, I need to I need to upgrade my my habits. At what time are you? What time do you end up falling asleep at night?
1: Oh, like I try to go to sleep as early as I can. So I don't have like a lot of evening life. I try to go to sleep soon after my child is asleep. So like 9 p.m. is a good time for me okay. to try to be asleep.
0: So you are, I mean, you're still sleeping a, a really good amount. It's not like you're um, lacking on sleep.
1: Not quite right because my child wakes up three to four times a night on most nights.
0: too. Yeah, of course, John. Uh, wow. So, um, Okay.
1: Yeah, that's sounds like it's it's a disrupted sleep it's sometimes it can be two hours of of like suiting her during the night and then like hey we're starting at seven
0: okay yeah this is this is next level rise and shine yeah for sure (laughs) wow what is there anything recently that you are wanting to learn more about and or any anything you're reading or watching lately that's captivating
1: yeah, so I am fascinated by newer research in AI and training AI in different ways to, that are more similar to training humans or teaching children, so like giving like very abstract things to AI. There is interesting research in the University of Berkeley going on in, in this domain, so like this, this was captivating recently for me and like i'm tracing I'm all of the things that are happening in speech voice and innovation this is a general rule of the town in terms of what i'm watching i, I don't really have time to watch much. yeah can, can i <laughs> can imagine can
0: imagine yeah i
1: i, I watched foundation which was and graphically beautiful and and, and I, I was interested in watching I'm somewhat disappointed maybe it's not everybody's uh, opinion but it's it was very beautiful visually it's, I was a little disappointed in, in the pace of story I, I would like to have it faster and I would do watch mm. other things than science fiction
0: <laughs> now I want to go watch foundation I didn't even uh, I didn't even know this was uh, a thing I'm out of the loop on that.
1: it's it's yeah go watch it it's on Apple TV
0: fantastic maybe I'll do that after this okay again I will uh, ask you Final question. Is there anything if, if I were to ask you what are some of the best investments you've made in yourself, whether it's literally like an investment in a course, or it's a change in the way you view the world, or a change in how you uh, relate to your own emotions? What would come to mind if you were speaking to someone that your simulated self and you said these are the best investments for Ghana?
1: Yeah. So I. Some time ago, like quite early in my twenties, I read a research that showed that every dollar invested in a book of any kind makes you ten dollars in return. Hmm. So I I was skeptical about it, but I, I think really in my life it paid off, especially when I when I spend it on books, which I like about professional development. So like I put a lot of money in those and then every course i take it's it's quite thoughtful because i don't have much time on taking courses so i have to think about it and right now i'm gonna put a lot of investment in executive presentation and executive speaking i want to do more in public speaking so i want to invest in this this is my plan for early january fantastic
0: well now i feel compelled to ask if you have if you have book recommendations or, or course recommendations? Well, of course you recommended public speaking, but any book recommendation?
1: Any book recommendation? Actually, it, it was from a while ago, but it was quite a good book that helped me to think abstra- abstract and also like, create ideas. Edward de Bono on creativity. So I, I wouldn't recommend a single book, but I think his work overall was very interesting about colorful thinking hats. And mm. uh, if anybody who listens is curious about creativity and approaches to to creativity, go look it up. Yeah, it's 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 really my thinking on how to ideate and how to grow certain ideas and how to not grow the others. So it's a really good framework.
0: I'm going to check that out too. Ganna, say so is hiring. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, so we are hiring, so we're hiring researchers in speech and Especially anybody angled in speech recognition with phonetic recognition part. So like it's it's something that that will be early next year available in January February. We're looking now for people with expertise like this. Um, we're looking for researchers, so that people join to do research and with some research they done in this domain is it's really good. And we also hiring in social media. So we need to build our social media presence. And we're thinking about LinkedIn and we're thinking about Twitter. And we're thinking also about some Instagram presence. So, yeah.
0: Fantastic. And the best way to get in touch with you, website, sayso.ai
1: yeah, you can find me on sayso.ai. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And if it's about the job search, please reach out on LinkedIn. I respond there. Maybe not on the same day, but I do respond to messages, I guess.
0: That's a pretty good response time for someone that's uh, as busy as you, Gana. This has been uh, this has been really great. Giana, thank you so much. Everyone check out sayso.ai. And we're going to be sticking around to witness the birth of speech technology 3.0 for the future thank you so much Hannah. yeah
1: no thank you for having me again and yeah it was great i enjoyed this interview